For those who know what's right. For those wedded to the machines in their bedrooms, their studios, their best friend's garage or basement. For those who negotiate with the system every day to make time for the music that matters. For those who get in debt to fund the fight against the mundane. For those who stay true to their cause even in the face of income and fame through compromise. For those who feel the power of every beat. For those who keep their minds open. For those who encourage and support those pursuing their personal dream. For those who've sacrificed relationships to make sure the music is heard. For those for which the music is a lifetime, not a pastime. This is Base Agenda. 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 Hey, you're listening to Bass Agenda. I'm Sean Ruderman. Make techno, house, electro, ambient, all kinds of junk. Listen to the show. It's good. Quality people. Hi, how you doing? Welcome to the last Bass Agenda show of 2022. Really excited about this one. Great way to end the year. Such an incredible talent. Had the pleasure of speaking to Sean Ruderman a week or two ago. A man who probably doesn't need any introduction, but just in case... I can tell you he's from Pittsburgh, he's been in the game for about 30 years, put out a huge amount of great, great music, ranging from techno to house to some amazing electro, brilliant ambient, some abstract stuff, dark stuff, light stuff, pounding dance floor grooves, you name it, he's done it, and the quality level throughout his career has been incredible, he's widely considered to be one of the best live acts on the planet. We had a long chat, nearly two hours in fact, and the majority of that chat's going to be in this show for you. Plus, of course, a huge amount of great music from him and that influenced him as well. Some really cool chat in here about creativity and some great stories too. So enjoy, and I'll catch you a little bit later on in the show.
Daniel, thanks for doing this, man. I um, yeah, I'm sure. trying to think. Um, I had uh, I've had a few of your tunes over the years, but but what kind of sparked me off again was uh, I interviewed Brian and Martin Bonds. Um, you know, strands, oh, real, real, yeah, yeah. real to real, real by real. I should say. Um, yeah. I interviewed them about two years ago. I think it was. It was during lockdown. And one of the tracks they chose was one of yours. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. It was the. Uh, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna fuck up the the title now. It's, it's it's the ambient kind of closer on your recent albums. I'd I'd like to extend my stay at the Cloud Hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they chose that. Um, and I was like, wow, this is because I knew you more for your kind of the techno and kind of yeah. electro kind of the, the stuff. I, didn't, I hadn't heard a lot of your kind of beatless stuff and I was really blown away, man. Um, the, oh, thank you. The, the thing about it is I always like, even if it's just a 12 inch, I always hmm. kind of looked at it as, okay, you get two fucking, you get a left and a right punch. Yeah, yeah. You get like a like a left field sort of like keep it wide open track, and then you get one that you can like not quite like you can throw in like almost R and B or something completely mm. almost beatless. Because mm. if if you're gonna pay fifteen or twenty bucks for a twelve inch now, you mm. need at least two songs that are like the A cut one and the B cut one where they are the outside, you slap them on and they're gonna be fucking hammering. Yeah, yeah, that's the headliners, yeah. And then the other two, you can kind of like keep your doors wide open with mm. so that you don't get pigeonholed into like the Carrie Leckebush syndrome where you're putting out the same record for fucking six years straight. Well, it's interesting you say that, man. And as you were showing me the gear, you kind of kind of reinforced something that has already gone through my mind, which is as I've gone back and listened to, to the music I already had of yours, plus, you know, explored a bit more. What's really cool to me is that you don't, you definitely don't cook with the same ingredients every time, if, if, if you see what I mean. I try not to, I mean, it's hard. I'm no doubt it's difficult, but I could, but it does really come across. Because, yeah. I mean, like, uh, I had to explain this to my dad one time because he, you know, he's like a, he's he was like a baby boomer generation of mm -hmm. rural America, you know, so techno, Jazz was alien to him. That was like right. fucking black magic voodoo. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> techno was like even further. Like he's like, I don't understand that. So I said, basically, he's like, all the songs just have that boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, they do. And he's like, there's no words. And I'm like, there's no words, pop. Mm. And I'm <laughs> like, but your blank white canvas that you start to paint on is a a good beat. And then mm. from there. So everybody gets that canvas. Mm, that's the and foundation then, kind of right, thing, yeah. Right, because if you're gonna mm. make dance music, it has to move. Whether mm. it's a broken beat or a four-four beat or a three-quarter beat or you know or whatever it is, it has yeah. to move. Because if it doesn't move, it's not really dance music then. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I tried to explain that to him, and he was—he just was like, like it just. Mm. Like head so did disco and that wasn't didn't kind of compute with him either. Uh, it did, but it was he didn't really like disco. No, he was okay. like a he grew up with like Steppenwolf and okay uh, the Beach Boys and shit mm. like that. Classic like the, rock stuff. Yeah, yeah, more classic rock, but not really like the edgy stuff. Mm -hmm. I was I was surprised one time to find. Uh, 
the classic Santana album in their collection. Okay. I, I was like, this is this is really odd for you guys because <laughs> you guys don't didn't smoke weed or do any drugs or were yeah, yeah. hippies of any sort. So what the fuck are you doing with Santana? But it was it was mm. interesting because you know my my parents had no idea of dance music or techno or any of that sure. shit. Okay. So how did you how did you discover electronic music then, man? Because I mean, some people I interview say, "Oh well, my dad was into this, my mum was into that," but obviously I, that's 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 not your uh, that's not your background by the sound of it. No, I I'm 50, so I was born in '72. So because when you're a kid, you listen to whatever's around, like yeah. you don't really have a choice. I got into it from the radio and from uh, sci-fi movies, mm, right. like. We had a public, uh, like a public TV station here that played Doctor Who every night, fucking Monday through Friday, and then they would play six hours of Star Trek from midnight Saturday until six a.m. Sunday. Wow! So I would watch it every night and then stay up as a as a kid, like first or second grade in elementary school, all night Saturday, which sets the tone for raves. Yeah, watching yeah, yeah. Star Trek. My mom would fall asleep <laughs> at like one o'clock and I'd be up till seven a.m. watching fucking Star Trek. So you were training your body for that already, yeah. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. And then but it was the music too, because that that opening mm. of Doctor Who, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. That like crushed it. So then so then like I hear the Time Lords and I'm like, holy fuck, what the hell? You know, it's like like all it it, it was a tie-in between science fiction and electronic music because mm. they would always use crazy sounds for early sci-fi stuff even like yeah. forbidden planet and shit like that mm -hmm. I, I my my mom was a big sci-fi reader so that's sort of how i discovered electronic sounds and right. then pop radio in america in the early 80s was like new wave man new wave freestyle yeah. mm -hmm. or like super super early almost rap but not quite like mm -hmm. Paul Hardcastle man 19 oh, man, I, yeah. I had a cassette tape that I would keep recording that song on over and over and over so I wouldn't have to rewind like, oh, okay <laughs> so he just over and over. yeah I, I, you know because like you would hear the the tape start recording and I would catch like I'd miss the first 10 or 20 seconds as I'm running to the cassette player to hit record yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. I would record as much until Casey Kasem started running his mouth about the next song and then I hit stop. So it would be ready the next time. And I had the, all these tapes laid out. So when American Top 40 would come on, I could grab like the Duran Duran, uh, mm -hmm. Hungry Like a Wolf tape or the 19 tape or the Rocket tape and throw it in real quick and get another copy of that song right. on the tape. So I, I would never have to keep rewinding. Wow. That's something, man. Wow, that's it. That's a that's a proper obsession. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't cool. think it was obsession at the time, but yeah, that was the. Well, you know, it's a hell, it's a healthy obsession, is what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> There's worse things then, out there. Yeah, I was, I was always really into, like electro, like electronic sounding things. I, I mm. and usually more beat driven stuff. Um, yeah. When I was mm. a kid, this is this is like a classic funny thing. I didn't know what a drum machine was mm -hmm. you know because you're a kid and it's you know 1979 or 1980 like you don't have a clue because drum machines were just you know rolling just release the 808 yeah. you know and the lid was like 
right on the edge, but I mean, you didn't really hear it for a couple of years yet. Mm. So mm. because of Star Wars and sci-fi and all of that in my brain, I thought a drum machine was like, literally like a robot with eight arms and like two feet that would play <laughs> the drums. It was a machine that played the drums. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. what I thought a drum machine was, like not like a square box with a bunch of buttons and maybe a screen and some sliders. Yeah, I'll get you. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly well, that's what it sounds like. That's what it, the, the, the word. Right. I was drum like machine. a drum machine. Okay, so it's like a drummer that plays, but it's a machine and it can play whatever you tell it to play. Mm. That's so cool. I like that. from being a listener to, to starting to make your own what was that so that was right around like maybe 88 
89. Mm -hmm. I had an uncle that lived with my grandmother yet in her house. And the first floor was an old tailor shop that my grandfather owned. And, you know, okay. over the years it had clothes and it was like his bedroom, but he was a guitar player. Right. He was really into building guitars and was always in bands. Mm. Um, so then it became his studio in the late 80s, you know, like really, you know, like modest, yeah. four track reel to reel, like a 12 channel giant mixing desk, mm. like one or two delays, but he bought a Korg M1. Okay. And at this time, right around maybe like 84, 85, I got into punk. Mm -hmm. And then also right after that, fell head over heels into industrial, like Wax Track, Chicago, Mute, Neubauten, Depeche Mode, like you name right. it. Right. I was right. like, fuck, this is like the best of both worlds. It's like everything that punk rock had to offer and mm -hmm. all these crazy new synthesizers and fucking straight machine sounds and like aggression, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like very different. Mm. So yeah, I got, yeah, yeah. So I kind of went from like hardcore and punk rock right into industrial. And mm. when Makes that sense, happened, yeah. I, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I think my uncle has an M1. I don't know what it is, but I know it's a keyboard and it can do drums and basses. And I ended up meeting a friend, like a longtime friend now, who mm -hmm. I did the industrial stuff with, who he was older, so he would ride BMX with us. He had okay. just graduated college. So we were all, you know, we were hanging out in parking lots, riding for 10 hours a day, you know, mm. doing trips and like flatland shit. So he yeah, would yeah. ride with us all the time and always bring these fucking great tapes. And I'm mm. like, yo, what are we listening to? And he's like, oh, this is Skinny Puppy or this is uh, Cabaret Voltaire or mm. Fat Gadget. And I'm like, this is fucking great. Can I come to your house and record these? Yeah. yeah. And he was older, so he had he had seen The Cure a couple times and The Damned mm. and uh, like you fucking he saw Susie and everything. And I'm like, oh, holy fuck! Like you have a treasure, <laughs> you have like Alibaba's treasure of music here. Yeah. So I would I would go over to his house and sit there with a box of like TDK tapes and just record, and then we talk about shit. Mm you know like music stuff or whatever like where did you get this or when did you see him he's like oh i went mm. to new york to the ritz to see this show and i was like oh my god you know like mm. head explode yeah yeah, so yeah. We became real good friends and we eventually mm. one night went out and bought all this shit from radio shack because right. we were going to make our own music yeah yeah this yeah. was like the step and it was totally we were we were unsatisfied by one of our favorite bands who released an album at that time and we're like we can do better we had no fucking idea what we were doing like <laughs> no clue at all we're like we're gonna do this you know hey, this sounds yeah. like garbage we're unsatisfied you know it's like i want my money back i want to speak to the manager we're gonna make our own you know we're gonna stand outside and sell lemonade in front of your fucking lemonade factory <laughs> that's yeah. the yes the youthful thing there isn't it that's a youth attitude to, to yes it was yeah, like it that. was it was we had no idea how wrong we were but it was an impetus to start sure so yeah. we we went to radio shack bought like the radio shack delay and the little mixer and he his sister had like a medium grade casio that had beats in it with like an auto cord and like a little sequencer okay but at the time we were going we would go every tuesday to my uncle's and 
for five or six hours after I came home from high school, mm. we would meet up and go down there to my grandmother's and work on music on the M1. So we learned MIDI, we learned step recording, we learned what all that shit was. Because my uncle had no clue. He was a guitar player from the 70s. He was like, I don't know what any of this shit does. All I know is I can play piano on this thing mm. and I don't have to have a piano. So were you, this was you kind of trial and error self-learning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Learning it. Absolutely. He was also a computer guy, so he was really into Commodore Amigas. So he okay. was familiar with tracker programs, right? like music Optimism, tracker programs. Yeah. Mm. So it was a good combination for the time because both of those things were sort of coming closer and closer together mm. and would eventually merge in like the late 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when everybody was like, holy shit, I can download Fruity Loops for free and make music. I don't have yeah. to buy anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was... We were sort of ahead of the curve, and um, that year for Christmas, I asked my entire family, I was like, what I want is this one keyboard. That's mm -hmm. all I want. It was like Christmas in 1990. <laughs>
a Yamaha B200, like half consumer, half professional, prosumer sort of thing. Okay. Core operator FM, but it had eight tracks of sequencing. You could store a hundred of your own sounds and it mm. had just enough memory to do one song. And I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was 800 bucks at the time, which was a lot in 1990. Yeah, that would for some been, rural, yeah. like backwoods PA kind of family. <laughs> so my whole family pitches in, my family hides it until Christmas day. Like I went to the music store and kept asking them if anybody came in and reserved one or anything. And they're like, no, because my mom had told them, don't say a goddamn word about this to my son because I know he'll come in. Oh, wow. So he was in on the whole thing. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Music <laughs> that's, that's store great. was in on it. They're like, nope, nobody reserved any. We're almost out of them. They're almost all gone. They like totally played it up. I love that, man. That's and great. then Christmas Day, there's just fucking huge box under the tree. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I had looked everywhere in the house, like the attic, <laughs> the basement, the fucking garage, in the back of the van, everywhere. I was Jeez. like, wow, I'm really not getting it. Okay, prepare yourself. I was going to say, you must have been convinced at that point that it wasn't happening. I was, I was 100% convinced that just accept it, be gracious, because maybe your parents couldn't afford it. Yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah, kept yeah. it at my fucking aunt's house. Right. Man, this is a conspiracy. It was, it was a whole family conspiracy. They were all in on it. I love it. Like, like I wasn't crazy. They were all in on it. Everybody else was in on it. So That's it shows great. up, I open it up, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I just immediately dig in. Mm. The next day, I had saved up money from working like some part-time jobs here and there, or mm. like doing stuff for my aunt or my dad, you know, saving up allowance kind of shit. Right, and sure. I had a little bit of money left from my university tuition. So the next day, my friend Ed, who was the older guy, and I mm. were like, Hey dad, I need the car. I'm gonna go to this music store about 20 minutes away and look at a drum machine. Mm. He's like, all right, you're going to look. I'm like, yep, going to look. <laughs> I had $365 in my pocket. Mm -hmm. The one drum machine I wanted, they had. They had an Alesis HR16B. And the only reason that I wanted it is because the ad in the back of Keyboard Magazine for it said it was industrial powered sounds. And I was like, that's my man. Right. That's my man. That's the right. guy I want. Industrial powered sounds. That's made for Sean. Yeah, yeah. Like, hook, my hook ears were like ringing for it. And I was like, yeah, so yeah. go up. They have <laughs> it's like this little mom and pop store in like the basement of some guy's house. They have one drum machine and it's the fucking HR16B. And I was like, wow. Oh man, this is awesome. Never in my brain am I like, yeah, I'm here to look. I'm like, yo, this shit's coming home with me yeah, yeah. now. <laughs> like, I got a synthesizer that does a sequencer. I need a drum machine. So, in 365 cover it. <laughs> right. And I'm like, how much for it? And he goes, 360. And I said, will you take 350 so I have gas to go home? And he goes, cash. And I'm like, cash. He's like, done. Put it in the car. We Man. drive home. I come out of the car with it. And my dad goes, I thought you were going to look. I said, I did look, and then I bought it. He's like, God damn. And I, I can clearly recall, he's like, you buying this goddamn shit that you're not going to use in like a year or two years? To this day, 33 years later, that shit is right over there behind me on the shelf.
I was a I was a white kid in the middle of Pennsylvania in 1984. Funk wasn't even on the radar. Right, it, right. It, like three galaxies away through a black hole and then on the other side of some fucking far away quadrant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so when yeah, I, I do. I when do. I heard things like 19 or especially Rocket, mm. it, it like it, it like went through me right to my core and was like, whatever this is, whoever is making it, I need more of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. The best drug you could ever find. Rocket, the song itself, when I heard it, made my head explode. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw the video, that oh, shit yeah. ruined me for fucking life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time I saw that video, and there's a set of robot legs in stockings walking through the living room of like some kind of fucked up, like dystopian <laughs> TV filled robot living room yeah, i was yeah. like you know i'm just starting to come into 14 13 mm -hmm. you know so like you can see like you can see like a tree and you're like wow i'm kind of excited but i don't know why yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. Like, like you yeah. don't really know what's the, the going hormones, on the hormones are rustling right. <laughs> and i was like so it it became this like it was like a weird blending of those two and i was like mm. it, it had an extra effect yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. No, this is, I don't know why, but this is w w weird and I really like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get <laughs> no, it's you. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like, you can only admit that after you're older. You're like, yeah, the Herbie Hancock video was slightly sexual in that scene because, mm -hmm. but it's a robot and it's, uh, so what? Robots, robots need love too. <laughs> well, so yeah, and you were like, you were, you were saying about the drum machine being a machine that plays drums, and now yeah. you find out, now you find out, right. you've seen it, you've seen this machine's legs, and you. <laughs> right. right. I was like, uh, that was wait, cool. I, it was like a whole new dimension to the drum machine. Mm. It was like all of a sudden the drum machine was sexy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of like a precursor then for techno. Dave Clark and you're listening to Base Agenda.
I, I would say another track that was like that that I didn't quite understand at the time too mm. uh, would be Prince when doves cry. Oh man, yeah. Because mm. it was, I didn't understand how much of an impact it would have mm. because I had I had no idea. You know, you're listening to shit on the radio, but mm. there was something about it, and I would you know, had the tape with that song over and over and over, and I remember. Right. My family and I went to, we lived about two and a half hours from the New Jersey shore. So, so that's where we would go for vacation for like a week or whatever. Okay. So my mm. dad wanted to beat the traffic. So we'd get up at four o'clock in the morning, load the van up and drive down. So we're there by like seven or eight with some stops. Mm. And I remember sitting in the back of the van on these homemade wooden seats he made. Very safe, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'll take your word. You know, for it. carpeted wooden bench seats <laughs> in the back of a van driving 65 miles an hour down in traffic with no seatbelts or anything. Jesus, that's amazing. <laughs> and, you're still here, man. <laughs> that's an understatement. Mm. And listening to When Doves Cry on this double cassette mm. player over and over and over and over, and I was, I was just like, I didn't understand what it was, but it was like. It was like a message from a, a completely other world. Mm. Yeah, you know, it was like because you're like, is Prince black or white? Is he mm. gay? Is mm. he a man? Is he a woman? You didn't even fucking know. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. it kind of sets that tone then for house and techno. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That androgynous well, like kind was, of thing. <clears throat> and and like the end result was, it didn't matter. The music moved you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. It's funny. I was driving uh through london the other day and there was a guy a delivery guy i don't know what he was delivering he had it was written on the side but the most the most important thing was he had a somebody had done a mural of prince on the back of his van oh, and the man. detail and it was you know a lot of purple but it was just fucking exquisite i wish i was i wish i wasn't driving because i would love to have taken a picture but whoever that guy was man that was a real i mean this guy was probably delivering you know i don't know fridges or something <laughs> right he's like yo i, I need but that just, beautiful prince on the back of my van it's so cool it's so cool man yeah that's yeah sick. i mean that, that that's that's another great tune man. it it really sort of sets the tone for techno in like a subliminal way because it doesn't mm. have a bass line he just uses yeah. the toms of the lin for the bass line yeah 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 and it took me like 25 years to realize that when doves cry has no bass line there's no bottom end to it at all, really, is it? No, it's all the toms. The toms are mm. the only baseline, which yeah, sort yeah. of sets the tone for techno because a lot of mm. a lot of classic techno jams don't have a baseline. They use percussion sounds as baselines. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Especially the early Detroit yep. stuff and what yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, Cabaret Voltaire. So you said Code, and you were like the entire album. Uh, probably. Jeez, oh, I'm trying to think of my favorite track off it. Sex, yeah. Sex, Money, Freaks is just like. Yeah. It's, it's like a fucking industrial funk bonanza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like I don't even know how else to describe it because mm. it was it was the it's so fucking funky. It's produced so well because of Adrian Sherwood. Mm. You know, it's like it's perfect. The whole album is fucking perfect, mm. and just the way it's the way it was produced, the sounds they chose, it was a it was a perfect mix of everything happening at the time. I'm a big fan of like reading the liner notes and to see mm. who produced things and it, it's i started to realize that everything that i really liked it would be almost always the same people involved producing it maybe not the same artists but the same people producing mm. it. like right. number one would be flood fucking mm. mark ellis that dude's a genius I would be his tea boy, serve tea in his studio any fucking day to glean anything from him. Like I will, I will, I will move to England, do it for free for like two years <laughs> to learn, just to pick that up something by osmosis. <laughs> fucking brilliant! Like everything he touched was gold. Yeah, yeah, he has gotten touch. Mm. Like the same thing with fucking Adrian Sherwood and the whole mm. on you sound, all that mm. stuff. Oh man, Packhead. Uh, Gary mm. Cleo, all that shit. Mm. So good, man. Like every time I pick up a record and I'm like, oh, I look at the bottom, I'm like, there it is. No, oh, cool, man. And then um, I don't know what order these came in, so you, you, we'll, we'll figure that out. But Skinny Puppy VX Gas Attack, man. That's, oh. I mean, there's oh. so many samples in that. I, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that one, that was the first. That was the first Skinny Puppy track I remember that I was just like listening to over and over. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember the exact situation. It was Christmas Eve. I was at my grandparents' house. My family's there, you know, it's like a tiny little living room in a row home, like a factory town kind of thing. Right. And I would sit up on the steps all the time because there was no seats left on the floor or anything. So I'm sitting up there with a Sony Walkman I had gotten the day before for, as a gift with mm. the you know the earphones with the pads the little ones that sounded the, like garbage the foamy one is that the... yeah but they were real small they were like miniature tennis balls oh. like they I were know. the worst headphones ever yeah yeah i know the ones and you mean i i remember <laughs> i had i had borrowed the tape from my friend ed because it had mm -hmm. just come out and he put it on like a super metal high bias cassette and I was like, oh man, this should sound so good. And I was listening and I just kept rewinding VX Gas Attack over and mm. over and over. And I was like, this song is so good. Mm. And to this day, yeah. it's it's like one of my top five songs ever. Right. Wow. Ever. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. so perfect. And when I go back mm. and listen to it sonically, you know, with critical ears, it's mixed flawlessly because there's so much mid and high and like, mm. like basically from your low mids all the way up to the top of your spectrum there's mm. so much in there but none of it makes your ears hurt mm, right. so that's that's a that's like a mastery of mixing in in my view yeah yeah because there's a tendency these days isn't it to just fucking block everything you, you know waveform just looks like a brick there's no uh, there's no breathing space uh, please just make it stop <laughs> Just make it stop, man. People need to, 
with the accessibility of so much information to learn, it's amazing how little people actually learn. Yeah, it, it's an amazing track in a lot of ways. Like the percussion is great. It's groovy. Mm. It's incredible. It was incredibly uh, predictive and lyrically, lyrically spot on. You know, because mm. they're talking about VX gas, which is weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, man, it's a dark, that, dark track when you, know, you really like, pay attention. Fucking twenty years or third, tw twenty-five years later, mm. we're having national discussions on whether they got this shit. It's like, yes, of course they got it. We gave them five hundred barrels, motherfucker, and they <laughs> used it all on fucking I Iran. It's like a lot of that, a lot of the dystopian kind of stuff. I mean, I guess you could go back to a lot of the Detroit, like Drexia, and some of the. Yep. You know, there's a lot of truth in there. Underground resistance. Absolutely. You know, do not Absolutely. allow yourself to be programmed. <laughs> totally, man. Mike, Jeff, and Rob were spot on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Profits. And Mike, Mike's one of the best dudes you'll ever meet. Mm. I do want to interview that guy one day. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but he's a, he's on my he's wish a, list. He's 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 one of the most solid, real humans you'll ever meet. I can believe it, man. I've heard Super nothing. Super fucking nice. I've like, heard nothing but good things. Nothing but good things. Totally unpretentious. Mm. Just, just, just a real dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like when everybody's at, like sitting around, Mike shoveling rocks in the hot sun. <laughs> just getting on with it. Yep, that's cool, man.
stuff from Sean Rudiman so far. More influences uh, chosen by him coming up in a sec, but I thought we'd uh, spread things out a little bit, drop a little bit of electro made by Sean, just to give you a feel for how diverse his back catalogue is. Well worth digging through it. There's some real treasure in there. Thank you. 
What's up? This is DJ Assault, the undisputed king of booty, and you're rocking with Bass Agenda. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Good segue, man, because you chose Star Dancer, which has got to be one of the best techno tracks ever written. Fucking right, man. Why, why, right. why is that one special for you, man? The first time I heard Star Dancer was 1998. I I moved to Pittsburgh in 1998 from you know kind of the rural areas. Okay. A friend was already out here and involved in like the rave scene at the time. Mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh's weird because it's sort of like right. It's the middle of the East Coast and the Midwest meetup. So we mm. got like all the cheesy shit from the East Coast, like funky breaks and fucking trance and all that shit. Yeah, and then yeah. <laughs> we got like the shit from the, we got Chicago House and Detroit Techno from the Midwest. So it was always like a big fight at all the parties. Right. People would be like, oh, don't book that fucking stupid Detroit shit. Nobody likes that. We need to book this trance DJ from Baltimore, or we need to book like, some nonsense from like playing funky breaks or some stupid shit like that and it's like mm. no no like so it was mm. it was a weird meeting ground and right. the first party that i ever played a live gig at 
Um, it was Christian Smith, John Selway, Mark Gage, Vapor Space, mm -hmm. um, Alexi Delano, and then I played live early in the night with a friend. And Christian Smith played Star Dancer. Right, and okay. I lost my fucking shit. I was mm -hmm. like, it was one of those weird moments where like, I didn't really know where I was gonna fit into all this yet. And when right. I heard Star Dancer, I was like, whatever this is, I wanna be there. Mm -hmm. Period. And like, it was like hearing Rocket or 19, it was like, whatever this is, that's where I wanna yeah, be. Yeah. Because it was- tracks, it's like a milestone in your life, isn't it? It's yeah, like, wow, like, a, is... like here it is, like a giant monolith standing yeah. in the road. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, 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 because it, it changed how I thought about everything. Mm. Like when, like, like it's cool, you know. Nine oh nine comes in with the three oh three, and it's chugging along, lots of energy. Mm. You hear the snare, the hi hat, and you're like, oh yeah. And then you hear those fucking chords, man. Yeah, beautiful. Bow, 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 bow. That shit, like, I can't even think about it because it makes me cry. Like I'm yeah. starting to get like wet eyes thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know it's, what you mean. It's a, that's a real goosebump kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's and not, then, some tracks you hear once or twice and you get goosebumps, but that's one of those where you every time you hear it. Every single just, time, man. And then that spot, like right after the break, where Mike does that solo shit, where it's like, Woo! oh yeah. It's like at that point, I have my shirt off. I'm screaming. It's over my head. There's tears coming down my face.
is, I know people, it sounds really cheesy when people say it, but it's one of those things you get at a rave where you have to use the word spiritual because it is like... It is completely spiritual. You're connecting so, to something far deeper than you know, yeah, whatever is around you. there's definitely, there's something more there. Yeah, yeah. It's another so, level. A, a side story on that is maybe, I don't know, seven or eight years back, we're at mm. the Detroit Festival, my wife and I. Okay. It was a long day. I played a day party that started at like 5 a.m. So I was up, you know, early, set up, played or whatever. And then we went home and took a nap. We went back to the hotel, took a nap from like, I don't know, seven till maybe eight, mm -hmm. nine o'clock, like a little disco nap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we, we, we walked down to the festival to get some food and Huck was playing oh man on uh the maiden detroit stage but i didn't know it was huck so we're walking through and i was like man whoever's playing playing some fucking dope stuff mm. so we get our food and walk back to like this little grassy area with this ledge so we could put our food down i heard it i heard the and i heard the hi-hats and the clap i looked at my wife and i said i gotta go yeah. and like threw my sandwich down and ran to the front of the speakers like pushed through the crowd yeah yeah fuck, fuck the food and I, yeah i was like fuck that and i'm just i fucking ripped my shirt off i'm swinging it over my head screaming like a fucking lunatic like i just sniffed bath salts or something like just losing my shit right and i look in front of me and i see Th like four people I know who are doing the same thing. I hadn't seen them all weekend. And mm. I look up and it's fucking Huck playing it. And I was like, God damn. So then he went from that into fucking energy flash, which should be totally illegal. Cause that's like, <laughs> like at that, you're like, okay, party's over. We're going yeah, that's, home. That's too much, man. That's too much. <laughs> so then I run into Huck later that night at, um, uh, Brendan BMG's No Way Back party. Mm. And I was like, yo, Huck, you fucking killed that shit today. I, I like stopped eating and ran up to the front. And he was like, oh man, thanks. Thanks. He's like, I heard you killed it at that day party. I was like, I did all right. And he's like, yeah, you probably did better than all right. <laughs> I was like, no, Huck, man, you killed it. And it was yeah. one of those moments where like I heard Star Dancer. It was on a fucking perfect system, perfect mm. moment. I was like, food doesn't matter. Just, I, yeah, I need yeah, to yeah. be there right you now. Can, you can get another sandwich, but you can't get that moment again, can you? That's, nope, that's it. That's yes, thing, yeah, yeah, Star yeah. Dancer changed how I looked at music. Mm. Yeah, no, I can totally understand why, man. It's absolutely, it's just beyond. That was that was how I that was how I introduced myself to Mike Banks. He right. was in a back submerge one time during the festival, like when they first opened the new 3000 spot. Okay. He's just kind of standing back while everybody else is, you know, kind of doing their thing. Mm. And I knew who Mike was, so I walked up. I said, hey, Mr. Banks, name's Sean Rudiman. Just want to say thank you. Red Planet number two, Star Dancer. Changed my world, man. It was mm. like a life-altering moment. Mm. He's like, Rudiman. Rudiman, man, he's like, you make a real shit. We carry your record downstairs. And I was nice. like, I was like, thank you, Mike. That's beautiful, man. That's lovely, isn't it? Wow, yeah, he's, he's a super nice dude, man. Mm. Super and the nice. Music, I, I just, I mean, his music, I mean, 
Star Dancer had a big impact on me, but even like it, it, Final Frontier. Oh, the same. The fact that one person can produce both those things yes. and more at, at yeah. that level. It's just Final like, Frontier, Codebreaker, oh, um, fucking Transition. Oh um, man. Uh, Jupiter Jazz. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just yeah. It's just so the, the fact that that comes from well, mostly from one mind is just just yep. beyond beyond belief. It's incredible. Man. Yep. And Fantastic. let's also throw in Knights of the Jaguar because that's my. We all know that story. You better talk about your music at some point, man. Uh, uh, that's the least of the important stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really I'm really curious about the um, THD Total Harmonic Distortion. I, I knew nothing about that until you chose that track. Yeah, so that was that was my older friend Ed and I. We started doing industrial. Um, we did a four-track demo cassette and sent it out to every magazine we knew at the time. Like, right. And this is in 1990, so we we would get all the magazines and zines from Philly, mm -hmm. and you know, like there was one from Belgium, Sideline magazine, which is still I, I think still in existence. Oh, right. Like wow. it was like like a big EBM industrial magazine, you know, mm. black leather mm. gloves, everybody dancing, looking like they're in Nitzarab or like a semi gay, semi fascist. You don't really know, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. like you don't really know what's going on, but it's kind of dark. It's kind of militaristic. It's kind of energetic, but it's also kind of yeah. There's a bit of it's a bit of fetish in there somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> definitely. So whatever it was, it was mm. enticing. So a quick interlude here as I uh, give a quick shout out to the new patrons on the Base Agenda Patreon page, patreon.com slash baseagenda, launched a few weeks ago as I mentioned on the last show, lots of exclusive extra content on there, voice free versions of the show, extended versions of shows, first access to shows before anybody else, discounts on Base Agenda recordings load of other great stuff on there as well. So quick shout out to a few new people who've signed up and are helping make this happen each month. Really appreciate their support. So thank you to Machine Ethics, Ben Murphy, Brian, just Brian. Thanks, Brian. And to Vileman and Quadlift as well. Fantastic. Really appreciate your support. Lots of great stuff coming up in 2023 on there as well. If you want to get involved, Check out patreon.com slash base agenda.
This is Heidi Sabertooth and you are listening to Base Agenda. Does the vocal on that track? Is that you? Yes. Oh wow, that's really cool, yes. man. I yeah. Like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was. Pr- that's probably one of the strongest tracks I've ever written, like as a song in general. Hmm. Okay. And yeah, it was. Yeah. I I had read an interview with Vince Clark mm-hmm. early. Like, I'm a big Erasure fan, and mm. when they did the Erasure Erasure album in the mid '90s which is mm. absolutely, it's perfect. It's flawless mm. music. Mm. Every sound is great. You know, it's some people don't like Andy Bell's voice. It's great. Everything about it's great. It's mixed well, recorded well, perfect, blah, blah, mm. blah, blah. But he mm. said he gave Andy a quick reference beat and like a reference melody and then recorded mm. Andy's vocals and then wrote the song around the vocals, which was oh, completely okay. opposite how I always did it. 
Yeah, yeah, that's like reverse I, I engineering. <laughs> I have to try this because I always had problems fitting in the vocals to the song. Mm. My habit was to always write a song if I was doing vocals for it for the industrial stuff. You mm. never leave any room for the vocals. We didn't, we weren't ever classically trained for studio stuff or techniques or anything like that. So it never occurred to me to write the song around the vocals because the vocals always came last. It's true though, isn't it? It's funny you say that because now I'm thinking about, there is a lot of EBM and industrial where the, the vocal is actually competing with the track right. almost. Yep. It's not, it's, yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, man. And, yeah. the, and the better, more longer lasting tracks of that genre are ones where the vocals fit in, mm. you know, or are mm. the forefront yeah. or, you know, it's kind of at least me always, if not the star of the show, they're like second tier. Yeah. They're, I'm with you. They're near yeah, the top. Yeah. But they've got yeah. their place. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So when so, you, you sent this out to magazines, did you get uh, feedback pick up? Yeah. So, so we sent out this four track demo. It was, you know, slightly better than average but it was pretty much a, just a bite off of frontline assembly who we were right. big fans of at the time sideline puts it as like their number f like one of their top four of the year or something so wow, we get a contract in the mail from this danish label hard records out of denmark mm -hmm. you know to do an album and they're gonna pay us like thirty eight hundred dollars in 1991 to do a fucking album and i'm like holy shit that's incredible dude wow. it, you know because like at that time europe could have been another planet because sure. you know it's like you know the only way you had contact with europe was a scratchy phone line or a letter yeah yeah exactly so and i i had this thing where like i would i would get every every album i would buy if there was a contact address i would write a letter every mm. single fucking giant box of letters back from bands some That's of them amazing. from letters. Some of them were handwritten by you know, uh, who whoever the lead singer was or whoever the contact person was, and That's I just great. kept them. You still got them? No, I wish I I wish I did. I fucking threw them out when I moved from my parents. Oh man. <laughs> I know. That's I have, hard, man. I have like one or two that I kept in another box, but nothing mm. like I had. I would just keep writing too. The guy from Control Bleeding, Paul Lemos, he would just keep writing back. So I wrote him for like two or three years. Wow, man. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. he was a super cool cat. Yeah. Before Instagram. <laughs> yep. That's it. You had to Thank wait God. three weeks for your reply. That's it. Yeah. Jesus. None of this instant. If you ever got one. It, well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's really cool, man. I love that. I really love that. That's so cool. So, um... Yeah, that then, was uh, the... Sorry. the last industrial thing i did that was without my old partner because he lives about six hours away and okay. that was that was like you know what i need to take a break from techno stuff i'm gonna write another thd album mm. Mm. and it was just it was nice because it was freeing because you, you were writing songs and making song structures and choruses and bridges and verses solos right. kind of things like that as opposed to like a techno track where it's mm more yeah. of like a dance floor tool or somewhere in between a dance floor tool and an actual song i'm trying to remember there's another track and i'm assuming it's your vocals on it uh which is kind of ebm techno is it dream dreams come to life dream yes yeah dreams come to life yep. yeah yeah is that yes yep. you singing too i guess oh yeah 
Yeah, man, it really works. It's really cool. Thanks. What have we got? Uh, Martini Kiss. That was, a, that was a rare moment for me because <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those tracks where I hear it and I'm like, there's no way I wrote this. <laughs> it's like a, a, right. a rare moment because it's like, wow, I really like this and it sounds so much better than I can actually make. Do you find, I'm interested in that because I've, I've had a few, quite a few people have said that kind of thing where you get, you kind of get, you get so lost in the creation of something that when you step back from it, you can't really remember. You can't quite, you could, you, you probably couldn't replicate it. Is that, is that the kind of thing yeah. we're talking about? Yeah, so, yeah, most definitely. Because right. I, I work technically old school where almost, I don't know, 90% of the time, everything comes into the mixing desk. I'm doing the structure on the fly as I'm recording, so mm -hmm. there's no like laying it out linearly as a song or a project or a big long string of stems or tracks or anything. It's just me on the desk muting right. and unmuting and maybe getting up in between to switch a sequence. Okay. Mm. So it isn't like an orchestrated thing. It's more like more of an old school way where it's like, hey, we got 16 channels, we got a two channel recorder, we mm. got to make it happen or nothing's happening. Right, and you, like you work that way now still? Yes. Yeah, okay, cool. When I do the ambient stuff, it's a little different because I can multi-track and it, it needs to be... Mm. I can't do everything I need to do off the desk with ambient stuff. No, I can understand but that. But techno yeah. stuff, I kind of have a pretty good system mm. to work it. And I try... I discovered by accident that most of the time you're going to end up with a more exciting choice as a mistake than you would in what then if you wanted to choose something else i get you kind of happy accident so, kind of thing so when i'm sitting there jamming with the mutes seeing what sounds good i'm like oh shit i shouldn't have un unmuted that and it sounds fucking great like right. total accident like these three things sound great together and i would not have put them together
So do you think, because the, the way you produce and the fact that you're obviously well known for your live sets, um, I'm guessing that maybe there's a link there somehow, the fact that you produce, you almost produce the, the way you perform. Is that is that kind of fair? You're a very, very intuitive man. So. <laughs> why, why, thank you. I'll tell you, I must tell you this actually quickly, Sean. I put on, I put on Facebook that you were going to be my guest uh, for December. Do you know there's an Australian techno artist called Yanni Ho? Yanni's a dope cat, man. Well, he, his comment on on that post was the best live act in the world. Um, that, that was his comment on you on your. Uh, I would say one of three. One of three. Okay. And and that's a rare statement <laughs> for me because normally I'm the first person to talk shit on myself. Right. But. In this day and age, yeah, one of three. Very few people play off the cuff. Mm. Yeah, Very yeah. Few. Especially it's these days. a combination of like preconceived, you know, maybe a little bit of off the cuff, like not enough to fucking wreck the whole train. But, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it might shimmy side to side a little bit, but you're not going to tip the cars over. Right. Mine can tip the cars over at any given time. Mm. Now, I do have some like life preserver kind of shit that if all goes bad, I can fall back because, you know, you, I always looked at playing live as like, you're a spaceship. You have only you and your ship. If you fail, mm. you die, period. And you yeah, die yeah, in yeah. front of 500 people. So, yeah. so you have to have <laughs> like a fail safe here and there. You don't have to use it, but mm. it has to be there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. if this shit goes bad, you're still a professional and you do your show, it sounds good, and you make it happen as best you can with whatever conditions you are dealt. Yeah. But I'm and guessing with experience, the risk of you crashing the train is obviously, you know, minimalized as time as time's well, gone on. Or or do you do you try and push things a bit? And, you know, oh yeah, always. Always. Because I get bored. Yeah. I get bored. Okay, yeah, right. Well, when I first started playing live, I laid it all out. A big long set, an hour and a half on an MPC 60. All laid out, one big long fucking sequence. Mm. Like, I don't even know how many measures it was. It was fucking enormous. <laughs> like it was basically about, you know, about eight or nine, maybe at eight minutes a track sort of thing, but they all went together. And that, it took three months to do on an MPC 60. Like wow. it was, and that was 1998. Mm. So, you know, but then also I had like the Pro One making little sequences that went along with it on the fly. Mm. The 101 right. doing little sequences. I programmed 303 patterns that went with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I would, I would pre-program the 909 and then just right. switch patterns. Right, okay. So after about a year, maybe a year and a half of playing live, um, the sound guy who did the sound for all the parties here with fucking giant rave system, you know, unloading box after box after box. <laughs> I was always cool with him because I would get their earliest set up before the promoters even, because I'm like, yo, I want as much time as possible. Right. So I would always help him load and unload and hook shit up. And he was always mm. grateful. So he was like, hey, if you ever want to play anything on the system before the show, bring it over, bring your dad over. And I was like, dope. So I could test my tracks on a fucking rave system. Fantastic, wow. Like the finished tracks in the studio so you could get a reference to hear how they sounded in the club. Right, right, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that was like a side story. He was like, hey, I've seen you play so many times now. You deserve a prime time spot. 
So he gives me this prime time spot where a legal warehouse party, 1500 people, it's fucking mayhem. Human soup, like thick air, you know, <laughs> lasers, you name it, like straight up classic warehouse rave. Brilliant. I'm all set up like the 909, the MPC, the Virus A, um, 6303, and I think my 727, like, oh, and ASR 10 playing samples. And I'm like, I'm ready to go. I had practiced it endlessly. Mm. So I, and it's, it's 5 a.m., man. It's like prime time. People are fucking wazzed out. The vibe is there, you know, it's hot, it's damp. You know, yeah, you're yeah. breathing in liquid, basically. The air is so humid. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I start and like 10 minutes in, my MPC 60 just fucking shits itself. Complete oh. shutdown, all the, like, all the lights light up, they're blinking and I'm like, what the fuck? And it just happens to stop at the end of a measure. And I'm like, holy fuck, holy fuck. And I'm like, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic. And it was quick, like 909. I just quick rewired because the MPC was master. So I made the 909 master clock and I was using a KMS 30 sync box to sync the 606 and 303 to DIN sync. So I just took the master out of the MPC right to the 909, put it in pattern right, made a two measure chain and just I was I was able to use the 606 and create on that, but the 303 you can't go between right and play. So I had just like supporting 303 patterns, like they weren't even like good like Chicago 303 patterns. They were like little chirps here and there, like you know, like not like good yeah. ass patterns. Right. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. Just freestyled it for the remaining hour and twenty minutes between those three things, and <laughs> people went fucking berserk man that's crazy like totally berserk and i only knew how to do that because when we were doing the industrial stuff we would record in track by track right. so in the meantime so like i would write a song and then we would spend the next two weeks recording in the tracks over oh, okay first track record that in second track yeah, record yeah, yeah. That. so piece and by piece kind of thing so like w while we're doing that i'm sitting there like fucking bored so I would start playing around on the 909. I'd hook up the trigger to like the Jupiter 6 arpeggiator or the 101 or like some little analog sequencer. So I would start to play and like you're just muting and unmuting and kind of turning the volumes up. And so I, it was <laughs> like, it saved my ass in the moment yeah, because yeah. I could just do that. And it was raw. It was, I, I was like on 11 cause I was like, holy shit, I gotta do this. And I, it was like complete adrenaline. I was going to say the adrenaline so well. must have been just fucking off the chart. Yeah. It was fucking crazy. It was fucking crazy. <laughs> and it went better than had I practiced and been a well-oiled machine. Wow. People went berserk. It was, everyone was like, holy shit, that was fucking amazing. And I was like, maybe I should look, maybe I should do this more. Right. So then okay. I started to look for machines that would play in record mode so that you could record which was a really hard thing to find at the time it was really rare that mm. you could leave something in record and erase and record without stopping or switch between write and play modes it was a rare mm. thing so you need it yeah because you, you needed it to be seamless obviously yeah. right because right, right, right. i i always felt as a live set you're competing with djs 
So mm. you need to be as smooth and as seamless and as diverse as a DJ. Or a DJ can play everything, house, techno, electro, ambient, funk, all mm. across the board. Yeah. And most live sets really only play one thing and they play it for like 45 minutes and you're bored and go get a drink. So you're like, like you have to hold the crowd like a DJ, like a good DJ can, where it's mm. like, okay, this one's kind of housey. This one's maybe a little fucking slamming. This one's mm. really slamming, and then you kind of transition it down to like another housey thing again, and just kind of mm. keep taking them up and down. Mm. That's the thing I think that I was lucky enough to realize early on, mm. where if you can do that as a live set, you can hold the crowd then, fuck, for three hours. Yeah, yeah. I don't see yeah. live sets play three hours and hold a crowd. I see people like Max, they're like, can you play an hour? And I'm like, are you joking? Like, yeah, that's that's kind like, of the standard, isn't it, really? These yeah, days, because it's, yeah. it's just, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't I don't have to be correct in the scene anymore because I'm not really involved. There's a very low bar for live sets mm. because everybody thinks mm. their shit is fucking great. Mm. And it's like, if you say it's not, then you're you're kind of starting a war and but yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever man yeah. it's people, like people get uh, sensitive about this stuff yeah so it's just because of fragile egos yeah yeah yeah. and it's all about ego these days <laughs> Fuck that shit. so you mentioned that you you were saying you know you're, you're one of the two one of the top three kind of things so who would the other two be in your in your i would say know? easily any combination of uh juju and jordash jordan GCZ and Gal Anon, or them with David uh, Mufang, Magic Mountain High, or with Jonah okay. Sharp, like mm. they all play together sometimes or have. They were okay. fucking amazing. They're like mm. absolutely. I've seen them so many times. Absolutely amazing, beyond mm. talented people. Mm. I played with Jordan and Gal a couple times, um, and they mm. just absolutely amazing. Right. Like, like you can't believe that they're just jamming this shit out mm. Mm. like there's there's no preconception no practice they just show up like a bunch of jazz musicians because jordan is a jazz musician right. so he could like he's a real player he can actually play mm. things without the use of a sequencer mm. right right fucking real deal like musician yeah the other guy who i've seen that is just fucking astounding is stevio oh yeah Stevio is yeah, yeah. fucking ridiculous. Mm. Mm. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. I'm sh I'm sure there's more people now because now it's there's a lot more machines that are more conducive to playing live. And I was thinking like maybe the Burden Brother, you know, October. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Lenny and Lawrence, come on, man. Octave One, def I would definitely throw them on that list. Those guys are. Yeah. Mm. They're fucking yeah, long time. Energy yeah. is just. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're really good. They're really mm. good, and they're they're super cool cats too. I forgot about mm. them. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh, so let's say there's probably like five, yeah. five to seven kind of thing. Mm. And then you know, it's like every, I'm not really into like big loop playback sets. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, I got my octa track, and I'm gonna play back all these loops I made. It's like, ah, uh, okay. I don't really have a comment. Yeah, but you don't. It's not so stimulating after a while, is it? You need something. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. About, I don't know what you're like. I'm, I'm kind of. This is why I like your music. Is that because your discography is just 
in the best possible sense all over the place. Do you know what I mean? It's like that you've just done so many different styles of music. Um, whereas, you know, I don't want to get bored. Well, this is the thing, and this is how I am as a listener. You know, this is. I mean, I grew up as a dance music guy. I kind of grew up with, on, on Dave Clark's DJ set, so he used to play yep. everything from you know. Yep. EBM, freestyle, techno, yep. absolutely, electro. Absolutely. So I'm like, I've got that attention span thing where I need, I need, I need something to happen every now and again. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, like if you're gonna be eating a meal for, let's say, an hour and a half to three hours, mm. you want more than one flavor. Yeah, you know, That's the it. course has got to change. You can't have pizza and then have pizza and then have pizza and then have pizza, yeah, yeah. even if it's like white pizza. Red sauce pizza, pesto pizza, <laughs> whatever. You, you gotta have more than pizza. I've been trying to tell my daughter this, man. She doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> but I know exactly what you mean, man. You've got to have that stimulation and. Yeah. Another amazing track coming up now. Collaboration between Sean Rudiman and Arne Weinberg. Track called The Lost Arts. Sean will tell us all about that when the trip's over.
Yeah, yeah. So the, the EP you did with Arne Weinberg, uh, you chose The Lost Arts, which is just beautiful, beautiful track, man. How, how, why is, it, why is that one special for you? Man, Arne is one of the, the most real cats I've ever met. Mm. We are still very good friends. Um, he was such a talented producer mm. and all of it was always from the heart. Like there was never, it was, it was never, there was never any editing. It was always like just straight from here, straight from Arnie's heart, right to the listener, mm. always. And mm. um, right. when I was over in Frankfurt, he was living in Frankfurt at the time. I was out on my first tour. I stayed with him and his wife, Petra, for a week. Okay. And we did that track in his studio. Mm. And Arnie worked completely opposite of me. He would lay it out linearly, structured, you know, start to finish kind of thing. Mm. And I I was like, let's let's make some music this week. And he's like, okay. And I came in and just like laid waste to his studio. Like I re rewired stuff. And he's like, what are you doing? You're ruining my workflow. And I'm like, trust <laughs> me, man. So <laughs> So we did that track and I used, I used just some of the stuff that I had live. Um, and then mm. kind of reconfigured his setup just a little bit to be half and half sort of how I work. And right. we did it off the desk and he's like, Oh, I don't know about this. And I'm like, no, man, trust me, trust me. This is, this is how it happens. Mm. And, uh, he, he played like the kind of upper string line on the DX seven and he came up with the the main riff on the 101 which is going through this big delay and right. kind of set the tone for the whole track mm. and we recorded it one pass through first pass really neither of us said anything he hit stop we both <laughs> went separate ways outside came back 10 minutes later and i was like that was fucking amazing and Jesus. he's like he's like I've never done anything like that. And I was like, that was fucking amazing, Arnie. Make sure you save that and then save it again. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> then when, we, when I got back from tour, I told the, the other two guys who I did the label with, and I was like, we got to put this out. I know it's not going to make any money. It's not a making money track. This is like a, this is a, a track that w won't be an immediate success or maybe not even a success at all but it will mm. be one of those tracks that people will be like holy shit like it's like it, you were saying earlier it's, it's super, that kind super, of super super slow burn yeah it's like that kind of third, a, third track on the vinyl kind of thing is that yeah it's i mean it's mm. it's it's kind of like like carl craig off land cruising um uh mm. it was a wonderful life yeah 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 it's that, yeah like it's a journey though man it's like a journey you're majesty and class like mm. that that's that's like a rare thing to come by yeah and yeah we caught it's that about, it's, it's like eight minutes nine minutes but it doesn't feel yeah. like that at all it just feels yep. you really get caught up in it man it's like kind of traveling without moving kind of vibe yeah that's uh, yeah. another track like that would be acid eiffel mm. acid eiffel man come on like that's this yeah the, it, like it like Cr cr like I can't hear it and not cry. Mm, yeah, it's got a lot of weight to it somehow. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's 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 much it's emotional in a very real way. Mm. 
That's yeah. kind of how I feel about it. I don't know how I don't know how you get. Uh, it's, it's just so hard to kind of get across. But it, the this thing we've been talking about about the create, you know, be, be getting caught up in the creativity and then coming out and it's like you've had an out of body experience kind of thing. And the way you've just described the track you've done with Arnie. I mean, how? Where do you think that energy comes from, man? I mean, it's it's because it, there's there's got to be something else going on creatively than just fucking about with machines. <laughs> Well, maybe I'm just trying to. I'm overcomplicating it. I don't know, man. man you can I don't feel, know. You can feel that, and the listener can feel it as well. That's that's the amazing thing. I think a lot, like when good tracks happen like that, that are real and they're honest. Hmm. Hmm. They come from. I've always looked at it as like when your life has complications or opposing forces or stresses or things mm. that like you can't really reconcile or you don't even know you're trying to reconcile but they're not quite like oil and water mixing just doesn't mm. happen like that engine mm. of movement and forces is what mm. causes good tracks i think mm. not that you have to live in eternal misery yeah no. but <laughs> yeah but there, there there has to be a tension of some sort yeah i, think I was, I was gonna me, say it's that kind of friction personally, yeah. that like has to all all art comes from some unresolved shit yeah. and that yeah, wh yeah. whatever the format of the art is whether it's music poetry visual arts sculpture uh digital art whatever it all movies like it mm. all comes from some internal uh like splinter like a splinter yeah. that you just can't mm. pull out or you keep trying mm. to pull out and the trying to pull it out is by creating and it, yeah. it somehow wiggles its way out of your conduit but it does it in a way that you couldn't do consciously you couldn't sit down with a pen and paper and say right i'm going to no. figure out my problems on pen nope. you could nope. it, it's, it's uh as you say it's a it's a it's a conscious subconscious yeah process maybe yeah yeah the, man no, the I get you. like like cutting it as close as you can to the subconscious you're going to get more honest art period end of story yeah makes sense yeah yeah no definitely man it's cool. it reminds me i'm trying to think who it was that said a bit about like about the blues the original you know, the, the original blues like the mm. you know born out of strife born out of born out yeah. of pain you know that yeah. that's where you you can't yeah. false you can't fake that no. it's just a, it's just the nope. real thing yeah man no cool well, I'm glad you're a hippie like me, man. Sometimes I talk to people about this and they look at me like I'm fucking, they look at me like I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> I wouldn't even call myself a hippie, but there's just, there's some things that like, to get soul in any shape or form, you really have to experience some fucking shit. That's yeah, just, yeah. that's what it is. Like, like mm. you can't just like roll in with a happy butterfly, perfect life mm. and then be like, oh yeah, this, I got soul too. It's like, no, you, don't. you end up I, making this fucking EDM shit that's around. <laughs> oh, don't even say. It's, it's awful. I, I hate the fact that EDM and EBM are only one letter off. Yeah. That to me makes my skin crawl. Like I'm going to fucking peel my skin off at that thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because EBM for me, like I really like EBM. Oh man, it's amazing. Electronic body music. That's the full thing. That's 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 the full title. Is the is the way to do it.
Hallo, ich bin Helena Hauf und ihr hört Basic Gender Radio. Live Alone, that's the other one. Oh man, that one. I get the feeling there's a story behind this for some reason. Sometimes I, I am, I have a better handle on it, but sometimes I get pretty manic depressive. That was obviously in my depressive state because I would, I lived alone for seven years in the hood. So Mm. I had a landline, no internet. And if people didn't call me, I didn't talk to anyone until I went to work the next morning. Mm, right. Like, so like I, I, I wouldn't speak. I, like I lived alone mm. and I, I'm a big Rick James fan. So that sample is a Rick James sample. I think it's from, uh, oh, really? it's like sort of in between sort of, uh, like a intro outro track called stormy love, I think. And then he's he's saying okay. something like, you know, I'd live alone without you, baby. And and it was just like the perfect snippet because mm. I'm a big fan of sampling, sort of not quite rhythmic stuff, but like little snippets of songs, and then taking them and making them unrecognizable in their position. Okay, right, right. And right. it was it was all based around that sample. Mm. And it, it just fucking was like, yo, this it works, man. Yeah, th- that one. And then it, it, it was that. And the I used the sequential drum tracks to do 
everything but the kick and like the little little like the clap the toms mm -hmm. the little uh cowbell mm -hmm. they were all sequential drum tracks and i just made a loop out of it so it's just a hair out of time and short but it sounds great with everything else okay i hadn't yeah i hadn't picked up on that yeah it wasn't intentional but i cut the loop on the mpc just or the sample on the mpc just a little bit short so it's a tad mm. early but it was perfect because it forced the tension right but right. it didn't sound out of time and that that live alone sample was like and there was there was like this weird uh what what came first man was the was the live alone sample kind of like the icing on the cake or had you no no that was that was the that was star of the show i built around that right okay Hmm. And then right. like everything else sort of, it was sometimes at least the way I sort of sample things. If I have a sample that like sticks in my head or I hear and I'm like, oh shit, I got to sample that. And whatever I end up with, I play it over and over. And I just, I don't know if I'm imagining it, if I'm insane or, but sometimes like you can hear the next element that you have to make in the sample like inadvertently or like you hear like this bass surge that was something else but now it's a bass line because it's looped so like you mm. i hear that and then make the next element and create it from hearing it and okay. then that just happens again and again and again and again right right so, right so it's like the you're given a start point you listen mm. to it let it tell you what's next and then from there and then do it again and again mm. and again so you're kind of building things organically around one another right i get it i think that's, that's what happened <laughs> yeah, with yeah. yeah and there's like and there's like a little bit of daft punk influence because it is a sample and they're mm. they're kind of the masters of sample tracks oh man yeah 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 yeah
creative process I mean what you've just described there is that I mean do, do you feel like you have a set process or journey that you go on or is no. it like just no. every I, track's I, uh, it's, it's own thing yeah every track is kind of its own thing and hmm. I mean sometimes you end up doing similar things but it isn't like I I can usually tell when I'm like I'm in this rut in the road I need mm. to change up something because I don't want to be in this rut. Like I want to do shit different. Right. So right. I'll, I'll like repatch something or add a different machine or sell a machine because mm. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to keep doing the same shit. Mm. And mm. I, I get bored with it. Mm. Right. You know, it's like sometimes it's nice to come back and revisit because it's like seeing an old friend. You're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I ended up making like a like a banger techno track that really just mm. fucking hammers and screeches it doesn't really have a chord or a ton of musicality but you know it's like raging and you're like mm. oh yeah that's kind of nice to visit i remember being here and but you're not going to do like six of them in a row yeah yeah or at least so you switch some gear out and maybe revisit yeah i guess like that absence makes the heart grow fonder things now i suppose if you go back to it a few years later you might come up yeah. with something i, yeah, I also yeah. like to record songs and then let them sit for years right okay let them sit for years because then then you can come back and be completely detached and be the fucking prick critic mm, You're like, right. you know what Some you distance. my friend do not get to see another day on my hard drive you are permanently deleted <laughs> it's like shit like that yeah 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 i'll get it so how but do yeah, you this is this is a question i i always i it fascinates me and I know it's difficult to answer probably, but how do you know when a track's done? How do I know when a track is done? When you uh, make a track, how do you say, right, okay, this is done? I mean, do you involve other people? Do you, do you share no, it with people? No. It's, you, so it's your own judgment, your own oh, quality yeah. control. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a complete fascist dictator in that sense. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a couple friends that like, once I get material together, like, mm -hmm. like if I have an album, or like a 12 inch, I'll send it to one of my, like my good friends who I trust, who are fucking bigger pricks than me even. 
Um, <laughs> when it cut, like they will, and I mean that in the best sense. No, I they will, okay. That they are scathingly honest, mm. Mm. very honest about it, and they're they're good friends because they'll tell you. Mm. They're not. Like, and are they music? Oh. Are they musicians themselves? Or oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, okay. So, sometimes I send stuff to my friend Morgan Geist, mm. who is. I I bow to Morgan's ability. Mm. Absolutely fucking amazing. Mm. Or I'll send it to my friend Jeff Samuels, who lives in mm. Berlin. Um, like another, he was on Seven City as well with me, and okay. um, he, he was like a more of like a like a funky minimal guy mm. early on. But so these, so you're sharing with people who who you know they've got yeah. they've earned they've earned their stripes kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, hands down. Mm. Right, right. Um, right. So you know, but they're they're also brutally honest friends. Mm. So they'll be like, "Yeah, I don't really that second track. I don't know what you're thinking, man. Not really feeling that, and it sounds kind of sour in the middle. Like, right. I, like, were you deaf that day? <laughs> but so, how do you handle that, man? Because I mean, if you're a control freak, which most you know a lot of, a lot of well, us are. Well, I mean, if if you send it for feedback, you, you better be for what comes back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mm. I went to university for fine arts. So oh, okay. we had some serious fucking like make people cry, throw chairs, critiques. Mm. So right. it's, if you're used to that, like it's you learn how to benefit from it. Like if somebody there's a difference between just giving negative feedback and giving negative feedback that is constructive and useful. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, it's like. Mm. And sometimes you also have to have people, well, always, you need people who are 100% not invested in a, in a thing that can fight yours. Mm. Because then they're going to give you feedback that's skewed to benefit them. I get you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I don't trust anyone unless they are 100% not connected to what I'm doing. Yeah. That's a good policy, man. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, people are lying to somehow shift it just a little towards them, mm. as opposed to just giving you like, yeah, here's the honest dirt on what you just mm. did. Human nature. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I get you. Call me cynical, but no, no, I, I get you. I, <laughs> I, I, I know where you're coming from. I had a professor also tell me one time. He's like, look, when you get feedback from somebody on your work. He's like, if they tell you that it's, it's awesome, it's perfect, it's great, they're not helping you. They're placating mm. you. They're not pushing you forward. Mm, right, right. And I'm like, holy fuck, he's right. Mm. Like, he's totally right. Like, they're not helping you. They're just mm. saying, yeah, it's great. So that if you don't, if you stop there thinking it's great, you never get past it. That's a that's a hard lesson to learn, though, isn't it? I think to, to actually fucking take that on board is is takes yeah. takes a takes a big man. I think, yeah. Especially these days, you know, everything's about liking this and sharing. And I mean, I see it. I mean, I I, I I've been swearing to quit. I'm going to quit Facebook. I've been saying it <laughs> for fucking been saying it for years, man. But I still keep coming back. But it's, you do you do see people, and I, I I it's nice that people encourage each other. But as you say, there's a real lack of honesty sometimes. 
Yeah, it, it, it needs to be honest encouragement with it. I always, I always thought of it as like, so if your work is a 360 degree sphere, you mm -hmm. know, you, you might only ever see like, you know, like a, a, a quarter of it total, mm -hmm. you know, as, as, as a creator. Yeah. And right. when people give you feedback, they should be giving you feedback on the other parts that you can't see. Yes. So that you can get a better understanding of your work through other people's mm. eyes. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But but that also means you need to take your ego and resign it back so that you're able to accept and understand what they say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. not be offended or mm. I mean that's a lesson hurt. that's a lesson that's a lesson for life in general, I think, isn't it? But fucking right, man. Not an easy one. <laughs> yeah. I asked if you could choose a couple of tracks that have impressed you lately by other people and you you you, you came back and said that you kind of you can't do that um, well i don't i don't really listen yeah. to techno that much yeah um, no it's cool you're not the first I would person say, to answer that way, like though. recent <clears throat> i did recently purchase music digitally which is rare for me um i purchased some material from cpu records oh, okay the electro yeah. kind of like of course you've just done the remix on there haven't you yeah, yeah so i was like you know what let me let me check out their label and i was like damn there's, there's some good shit on here so i purchased mm. uh what was it silicon scally okay yeah i purchased three eps and i was like damn these are great and then yeah, i yeah. also purchased uh morgan geis and kelly mm. polar's new thing out suisse Okay, haven't checked that. It, it's like a synth pop album. It's so fucking good. Mm, cool. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, I gave them ten dollars more. Mm. I was That's like, a good song. please, please, <laughs> whatever this cost is, I'm giving you ten dollars more on Bandcamp because I want more of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's nice, man. Thank God for Bandcamp too, man. Jesus, for real. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Mm. I like to listen to jazz and swing and mm -hmm. older shit like that and yeah. half, 
that doesn't exist on the internet. Like 90% of it doesn't, wasn't ever digitized or anything. So no. there's endless, there's endless, like, like I'm a big Count Basie fan. So oh. like when you listen to shit like that, from our perspective, we are like, I'm like a speck of sand in the, in the bottom of the ocean. Cause these guys, there's fucking 30 of them in a room with one microphone and they're mm. doing a take all at once and they're all playing perfectly. Yeah, oh, no on, safety man. net, no, no safety I'm net. in here with a bunch of fucking drum machines and synthesizers. That's some real shit. Like mm. these guys were fucking like head numbing talented. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and you know, people like Ellington and Basie are sitting there and arranging these people like we're mm. arranging synthesizers. Yeah, yeah. And they had no real blueprint to follow as such, no. if you think about no. it, man. This is all first time yep. stuff, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's so like like mm. when I think about like the picture, that's what I'm comparing it to. Like mm. that sort of like macro range. Yeah, okay. So so it isn't like, oh yeah, these new kids making dance music. It's like, no. We're the new kids, even though we're old, because these guys mm. were doing like absolutely mind-numbing shit when you put it in an objective comparison yeah and i think that's interesting you say that because i think with a lot of this as well with where when people describe techno something a bit different in techno or something progressing in techno they're often describing techno getting closer to that original stuff that you've just described you know like like the cold. Cold. What, what, what they're actually talking about is actually and it's like jupiter jazz you know it's that kind of yep. the real progressive clever stuff is actually stuff that's getting closer to Yep. the organic acoustic kind of world if you like yeah it's uh, I mean, fascinating i don't man. think i don't think machines are incapable of that no 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 but sure it just takes a different mindset to make the machine do something other than be a machine yeah yeah you've got to tease it out yeah yeah mm. you got to put people in it yeah yeah that's the trick yeah so there's got to be, you know, there's got to be something inside you or whoever's working on it mm. that needs to come out through those machines. I think there's that kind of thing. It goes back to what we were saying earlier, man. I think there's that. There's, there's almost like a, a, a holy trinity thing. <laughs> so there's the machine, there's you, the person, and then there's that subconscious bit that you can't see or touch. And somehow yep. those, if you can get those three working together, that's where the magic yep. happens. I think. Yep. Yeah, man. It's definitely the the whole is more than the sum of the parts.
what have you got going on in the future? Anything we can tell people about? Actually, yes, yes. Um, I did a EBM album actually, uh, like a pretty sh- straightforward, brutal EBM album. Uh, cool. Should be out maybe midwinter. Okay. Um, on Braids Records. Braids. Be yeah. in Berlin now. He's in Chicago, but I think it's still technically based out of Berlin. Um, right. It's under a pseudonym called Sequence Eighty Seven, and you know, like basically, it's, it's like Sequence Eighty Seven. It's like nineteen eighty seven. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's sort of how I looked at it. I was like Sequence Eighty Seven. Yes, because it's sequences from nineteen eighty seven. Right. You know, like front to rap, mm. all that kind of stuff. I look forward to it, man. And that's an album. Full album. Yep, it'll be a full album. I think there's nine tracks on it, and it's on vinyl and digital. Nice. Vocal stuff as well? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Wait, I think one of the songs does have vocals. Okay. Yeah, I'm just curious, man. I like the, the, the stuff that you've done with vocals. I really dig it, man. It's really, really nice. Cool. Anything else happening? Uh, not too much, really. No live gigs. I'm kind of... I wouldn't say I'm official. I, I would say I'm almost officially retired. I think you said in one of your emails that is it? Yeah, yeah. Is that just through the, the sheer hassle, of well, the, aggra- the aggravation that goes with traveling with all the gear and everything these days? No, nah, that was always. I always had that down to a pretty good science. Okay. It's just the aggravation of traveling and people. Yeah, yeah. Other people. I, I, I just. <laughs> I don't. See, to, to sort of get gigs, you have to always be in front of people on social media. You always have to be posting stuff and like be on their radar. So they're like, oh, we should book this guy. I saw him on Instagram or I, I saw his post on Facebook. Or he posted a sna- like a snippet of a practice session or mm. like, and I don't want to do it, man. You I can't play do the it. game, don't you? Yeah. No, I, I can't play the game anymore.
getting older and I've realized I've spent a lot of time doing this and some I might not have a lot of time left. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I just want to do something else rather than think about like, oh, if I record this video quick and post it, maybe I'll get some more gigs or mm -hmm. uh, I should I should email this person at this club to see just to say hello, to stay up on their radar. And it's like, no, I I don't want the hassle anymore, man. Mm, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I just and don't gonna, like, it, it eats up time, man, doesn't it? When yeah, you do that? It, it eats up your life, not just time. Yeah. It eats up your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, sure. you know, I don't even have any kids, so I can't imagine if I had kids, I would have probably done this 20 years ago. Mm. Mm. I'd be like, right. I don't have time for this shit. This, I don't have time mm. for this bullshit. Mm. Like this, you're still like, creating, obviously, man. I, I don't, I can't imagine you not creating based on what we've been talking about. Yeah, I'll, I'll always write music. It's just whether or not it comes out past my doorstep or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let the odd thing leak out, man. Some of us are, some of us are paying attention. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, man. No worries at all. Is there anything it. that we haven't covered that you'd like to get across to people, or anything we, anybody want to tell them to go fuck themselves or? <laughs> oh, that lit. We don't got time for that. Oh, we haven't got time. No, you're right. My battery's getting low. Man. <laughs> we don't got time for that. I still want. I still would like people to buy my record, so I can't say that until I'm fully cashed out. <laughs> okay. All right, man. We'll we'll save that for part two in a few years' time. <laughs> no, that's cool, It'll man. Be just like a like a movie credits. It's like a thank you, and then at the end, and it's like and a big fuck you to dot 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 dot. And it just rolls up the screen and lists the names. Yeah, like the Star Wars credits. Just keep yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, man. Some people even get the name in there twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, yeah, I've got some of them too. Yeah. I really appreciate your time. Uh, really do. And uh, I appreciate yours as well. Hey, no worries, man. Awesome. Thank you. Take it's been easy, a pleasure. Man. Thank you. Likewise. Thank All right. You. Bye. Listen to me, what we do here, it's fucking essential. It's like oxygen. The world's dying of a thousand heart attacks. We heal them up. It's a goddamn public service what we do. It's not, it's not, that's the only reason to make music. Music, 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 music. So that's the end of the show and the end of 2022. Thanks to everybody who supported the show this year. Special shout out, of course, to all my guests. A real honor to feature so many great people. Such a diverse range of people. And I hope you've discovered some new music and some new people to support through the show. Extra big thanks once again to Sean Rudiman for his time, generosity, amazing music and great stories. And extra thanks once again to the people supporting Base Agenda on the Patreon page. You guys are really taking the uh, stress out of keeping the things behind the scenes working and paid for so I can concentrate on making shows. I hope you have a great New Year, New Year's Eve, whatever you end up doing, and that 2023 is kind to you, your families. Looking forward to seeing what 2023 has got for us in terms of music. I'll be back towards the end of January of a new show. Until then, take care. Cheers. <laughs>